It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined by Darby Robinson for another episode. Darby, it's been a while. We've taken a few weeks off, but we're back and boy, do we have some news. Tell us what's going on with Wander Franco. So we, <clears throat> last week, or the last time we potted, we were, we were dissecting a Mark Topkin uh, article. And we we mentioned, I, I stand by everything we said in that podcast, by the Same. way. Yeah, 100%. I'm not taking anything back. Uh, yeah, not, not a single thing is taken back. But we did say, we did say that like, you don't do this week of an article with nothing on it, with nothing on record, with nothing there. If there wasn't maybe some stuff on background where somebody's like, don't even quote me as anonymous raise player. Like, but- or a front office member guy, or member of the coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, because he had none of those things. He had he didn't even have anonymous. He just had, he had none of that. He just said- uh, rumbling. So I, I don't think it was a good piece to write at the time. I did say that once there is something, then you can use there have been rumblings for weeks or whatever. So I think now that Wander Franco very publicly uh, had, he had some, we could sort of see in the dugout a little bit on, I believe it was the Wednesday game. Uh, he was very upset and like kind of slamming his bat or around and and basically we don't know exactly what the incidents incident or incidents was but on Thursday Wanda Franco is not in the lineup card Kevin Cash announces that uh he has basically been benched for two games he was sent away from the team on Thursday he was back uh on Friday but not in the game so benched for two games for mostly seemingly being a bad teammate uh kind of not necessarily 
huge things, but like not handling failures properly and kind of seemingly the sense is being kind of just a jerk when he fails uh, around other people. So kind of needing to get that maturity up and baseball is a game of failure. So when you fail, don't make other people miserable and this like kind of dark cloud around you. Um, now, we know that from that article from last uh, last week from uh, Topkin or two weeks ago, that there must have been some, you know, annoyances on background, but on deep background. Yeah. I think this whole situation, while probably the most public thing the Rays have done in years, right? Maybe since the BJ Upton, Evan Longoria blow up. Like yeah. I, the Rays have a, especially in under the Stu Sternberg, um uh kind of that era of ownership and that front office um the nothing leaks and nothing really gets out unless they want it to and nothing really uh kind of escapes the void of the the clubhouse so this being you know a very public statement of saying you know wanders getting disciplined and we he, we love the guy he's the he's our future but you know, there are some things he needs to mature on. Uh, so it, it was a big thing. Like, how, how did how did you take the news? I mean, it was obviously like, you know, national news, like national baseball news. It, it, the leading the leading wins above replacement player in all of baseball got benched for two games. Like, right. that's that's huge. We talk about dealing with, with failure, right? And, and he's having maybe the best season in the American League other than Shohei Otani in terms of value. Um, and it was another story that, like the Rays, we talk about how how neglected they are in in the eyes of the national media. But you know, I was I was sitting, um, you know, and watching Pardon the Interruption and some other ESPN programming around the horn, and Franco was discussed on all of those. He was in the rundown. Um, it wasn't the Rays in general; it was Wander Franco, and he is the Rays' biggest star since Evan Longoria. Um, and there was a time, you know, the late 2000s or late 2000s, early 2010s, where Evan Longoria was one of the biggest stars in the game. Um, and so the the Rays just haven't dealt with that in over over 10 years, um, that level of stardom. So it is it was shocking because they dealt with it, pro, uh, not dealt with it proactively, but they addressed it before the game. Cash and Joe Madden before him has never really shied away from benching players. If, if there was a need to bench a player for dogging out a ground ball or, you know, mistakes. Like, I, 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 I want to say Wander in his rookie season was either pulled from a game or, like, didn't play the, the day after he dogged a, a ground ball. Uh, but then we've gone back and forth with Wander about should he run out ground balls, should he not run out ground balls. Um, yeah. But for Kevin Cash to make a statement before the game was was shocking to me. Um, it was something where maybe he was left out of the lineup, you know, maybe Topkin, you know, asks around what's going on. Is it a day off? Doesn't feel like a day off. And then after the game, Cash is asked about it. And, you know, maybe he says something, you know, we're going to give Wander a couple days to, to get his head right or to, you know, whatever they're going to say where it's like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's getting benched, but we're not going to make a statement about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did. And it was a, it was a. It, I was yeah. I was shocked. Not only to say like, to you're you're gonna bench your best player, 
um, but for saying it was it, for him being a bad teammate, like like that is that is crazy news. And in Wander, like there's been discussions about you know the the way he carries himself, and obviously we talked a lot about that in the last pod. Um, I had never seen examples of him being a bad teammate, but there's obviously a lot that we don't see. I've never seen him not hustle when the game calls for it. Right again, mm-hmm. not talking about ground balls, but. I, I last year I thought he played too hard. Like I'm like this guy's never going to last at shortstop. He's just going to run himself. His hamstrings are going to explode. Right. Yeah. And so this was, I think, eye opening for a lot of fans. Um, hopefully, I'm not worried about the benching itself, but where we go from here. Right. This guy's signed to a massive extension, the long, the biggest franchise contract in franchise history. He's supposed to be back in the lineup today. He was back in the dugout yesterday. He stayed home on Thursday or was maybe asked to stay home. Um, and and now it's like, where do we go from here? Is it going to be business as usual? Is Wander going to talk to the media today and have some things to say that the front office won't be happy about? I don't know. I hope so. I, I hope everything is fine. Um, and that's, I think, what we can all hope for is that it's a, it's a teaching moment for Wander. Um, he learns from it. He's young. Um, and he can continue, like you said contending for the American league MVP this season. I think there's probably no better team in all of baseball that I, that I trust more to handle a situation like this, a delicate disciplinary issue uh, more than this group of Rays coaches and managers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do think very strongly that this is one of, if not the highest uh, emotional intelligence group all together of of coaches and managers they're not just x's and o's or spreadsheets they are very holistic in their coaching they are very mentorship in their coaching we was a, a fantastic video that the raised media team put out over the off season uh showcasing Kyle Snyder and yeah. how all of the pitchers i mean he is working with them throughout the year and also just checking in on them just like texting them and saying, you know, just seeing how they are doing as a human, not how's their workout regimen, what's their velo, what's the, you know, it's like, you know, how are you fly doing? out to go visit guys in the off season is what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, the Rays clearly put a lot of emphasis on that part of the game, the emotional human element of the game, which is, I know, ironic for a lot of fans because they see them as this cold machine that uh, that just it's an algorithm that just pumps out players and spits them out when they're injured. But like this is a team that focuses more on the human element and the emotions behind it and getting good teammates around them than than almost anybody. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why this got there is that yeah. this is a, a team that uh, Eric Neander has uh, cultivated as not having um, necessarily a bunch of kind of freelance guys like this guy's good but he's a he's a complete asshole it's been i think character issues have been like a big they'll be traded and you'll be traded i mean i think that's the thing is there was a lot of there was a lot of talks that's why rich hill was Mm -hmm. like kind of having a really good year with the rays and then gets traded i mean for for a nice little prospect but like just kind of a, a very odd timing but it I mean, you know, we see Rich Hill. He's a he's a massive grump, like constantly. Uh, so, like, maybe they're like, you know what? We don't want this old grump around, uh, harshing the vibes of the young guys. Like, so I think that's a for for better or worse. This team focuses on 
like the head and the heart a ton. And I yeah. think that is a really good way of coaching because you have to have that to have you buy in to some of the wacky strategies. But it also, if it's a long, long season, you are with these guys, you have so few off days, you are barely seeing your families. You're like six months of pretty much go, go, go with all of these people. And you're gonna get annoyed with people. So I think making sure you keep that emotional intelligence high is a way to, that is an advantage in, mm -hmm. in baseball. So I do think this coaching staff, Kevin Cash, uh, Kyle Snyder, they have Justin Sua as another uh, mental health uh, kind of professional there, kind of that emotional skills. Uh, Ronnie Linares, who's also from the Dominican Republic. And, and, and I Coach think has Wander a, in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, and has a lot of respect from a lot of those DR players. I, I, like this is a, a, a team that absolutely um, of, of coaches, I think that has a good support system, has a good base that I do think amongst all other teams that could handle a situation as delicate as your 22 year old superstar is playing great on the field, but maybe is taking those, the dips poorly and that's affecting him sometimes on the field but also in the clubhouse having to be like we're we're not going to this isn't a, again it's still not to the level of of Tatis or John ja Morant when you have a superstar who is creating uh both legal and massive issues to you and you're just like having to deal with him being like him really letting you down I think the idea is you don't want to get it to that level and so this is the Rays trying to say, we do not want it to get to the level where this guy is above the rest of the team. So he can do anything he wants, but also saying that like, you know, we are here for you, Wander, for, you know, 10, you know, he's going to be in his thirties by the time he leaves. That's mm -hmm. a huge amount of his life is going to be here. So I think the idea is they're, they want to make him, into the best player, but also best person they can. And I, I think that's an admirable effort. And I do trust this coaching staff and manager staff to be able to, to help kind of thread that needle. And, and I think it can be helpful that you're not just saying like, you know, the production has been great, right? Why, why even, why even mess with that? He's playing great. It's I think because they, they see this as not just a one year thing or a two month thing, but like, Let's make sure that this we kind of set these expectations, help Wander realize like his actions, especially his actions, have bigger consequences for the rest of the team because he is the best player. He is the star. Um, whether he's the vocal or emotional leader, he is the star player. So that does ripple. So I I trust this this coaching staff. If we didn't have the coaching staff, uh, if the Rays had, you know, Aaron Boone. As the manager, I wouldn't trust this this situation. If there was John Schneider behind, I I wouldn't trust this situation. Or but Ali it is Marmol. not. Yeah, uh, Ali Marmol uh, or God, anybody. Like, there's so many. Um, uh, I last last week Tony we also Tony Larusa. Well, he'd be a, he'd be asleep. He wouldn't even notice. We'd have to wake him up. And uh, with last last week, I did notice on the pod we we uh, accidentally attributed. Pedro Grafal to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. And then I think we also might have even attributed Ali Marmol to the White Sox. We were just getting our dysfunctional AL, AL and NL Central teams mm -hmm. mixed up. Grafal's with the White Sox, also not doing great. 
Marbles of the Cardinals also not doing great. It's hard to keep track of these central teams. They're all just they're all just a worse Boston Red Sox, and yet somebody's somebody's winning a division. But yeah, if you have those managers, I think you're a little bit more frightened about like threading that needle. Um, and you can see, and actually, I mean, like I think the White Sox are a perfect example of how quickly stuff can just unravel when the clubhouse isn't right. Mm-hmm. And and while Wander is the most valuable player on this team right now in terms of current and future value. He is not the face of this franchise. Maybe some people see it that way. Um, but I think if you polled a hundred baseball fans, non-race fans, Randy Rosarena uh, would be the face of the team. That's what they would say. You might even get some votes for Tyler Glass now. Maybe so Glass is probably two. Yeah. Or, you know, a few for Shane McClanahan. I think the last couple of years, you'd get some votes for G-Mon Choi um, mm-hmm. in terms of what people, or Brett Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of what people think of when they think of the Rays. Now, I think it's clearly a Rosarena. And you've got guys like a Rosarena and Diaz who are major league veterans now. Like, they've been around the block. They've, they've mm-hmm. competed in postseasons. And Wander's on his third season, too. Like, he's not a rookie anymore. Um, but... It was, I think, drawing a very clear line in the sand of basically saying, without saying the word suspension, he is suspended for two games from the team. Like, in that first night, he was not at the, well, not in the dugout at all. I shouldn't say, I don't know if he was at the ballpark. Um, Apparently, yesterday, Topkin reported that he was in uniform and in the dugout. So it sounds like he'll be back on track to play again today. I imagine they'll start him. Yeah. (laughs) I hope so. I hope we don't have to see Vidal Brujan start again. (laughs) <laughs> I know we all we all get punished thanks to Wander. <laughs> I made I made this joke at the Slack, but it, or in on, on Twitter. But uh, you know we're going to a week long vacation at Disney, and then your brother Wander is just acting up, and now the parents have turned the car around, <laughs> and now we're stuck going to your weird cousin's place and playing with them, and all their toys are sticky, and it's it's miserable. <laughs> So and Vidal Burhan, all his toys are sticky, and we just are like, oh, I don't want to play with these toys. But this was a suspension, and I and I still think that's yes. shocking, and I still think and it, it's not over yet. Like I hope we're moving in a positive direction. Yeah. But after this will be, or before this will be published, Wander will have played a, ga- a game again. He will, I'm guessing, has spoken to the media. Because it was Tuesday or Wednesday that he declined to speak to the media, and that might have been again another contributing factor. Because the Rays, they've always had, you know, most of their players have been very open to speaking to reporters, and it's not like we're dealing with the New York media here. Like mm. we don't have that intense of a of a beat, right? That's gonna, well, except for maybe one who we talked about last week, that's gonna go after a guy like Wander. So. It's not over yet. Like, we don't know how this is going to end. Um, we can only hope that it's moving in a positive direction, and, and I have faith that it will. So, um, speaking of, of Randy Rosarena, Andy, uh, we, I was at the Trop last night for the first time this season. It was Friday night, which means it was Randy Land night. Um, Dwayne and BA were calling the game from the left field bleachers. And, Darby, I don't know if you watched the game. How, how was that? I did. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. I think was there. Uh, I think BA is in his element. In in the as a, he's a man of the people. <laughs> it's it's uh yeah. It's a very different thing. I know Dwayne had 
had to was delayed on a call because he was looking and then a guy jumped up in front of him so then he had to go to his monitor so you know it's for, for the old old professionals it might be a little challenging when, when your view is different and you have to kind of check your monitors a bit more but uh no it, it was a lot of fun it was a fun I love how much this team has embraced this. And I love the uh, idea of sending the the crew out into the stands and getting that energy. So uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a blast. There were 16,000 people there. But, you know, like in the trap, if it's more than 15,000, it's going to be loud. It's going to be fun, especially on, on a Friday night in the summer. The team's playing so well. Um, but Thursday, going back to, to Thursday, the day that Wander was benched, um, and then we see McClanahan leave the game early after his fastball velocity dips and him not wanting to come off the mound. Um, and we just think, all right, here we go again. Another injury. Your mind mm-hmm. immediately goes to the worst case scenario. We saw Yandy Diaz slip and fall and then just not really get up and try to run it out. I mean, he was going to be out either way. Um, but you worry about his injury and then Cash tries to pull him and Diaz kind of stays out in the field and, then you lose, you blow a lead, and you lose to the worst team in baseball, the Kansas City Royals. And the vibes, <laughs> and we haven't dealt with many nights like this, with the Rays mm-hmm. still having the best record in baseball. Um, but the vibes were, were terrible, I think, on Thursday, <laughs> uh, with just the, 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 everything accumulating. Um, and so my goal was to go to the game Friday, because I'm in town for the weekend, and just enjoy it, not worry about the score, not worry about who was playing or who wasn't playing. Um, and then, obviously, the Rays score 11 runs. They record 17 hits. Um, and, and only one of those was a home run. Jose Siri's three-run shot early on in the game. Um, even Vidal Brujan got a hit. Uh, like like everybody was contributing. It was a ton of fun. We bought, like, this. The, by the way, they've got some great ticket deals going on right now. Um, for all the people that say the tickets are overpriced, I paid ten dollars. It was fourteen fifty after fees and taxes on the Rays website to get a party deck ticket. And then me and my friends that were there, we just never left the center field porch, which has for a few years now been my favorite place to hang out. No matter where I'm sitting, I like to spend at least a couple innings up there. Yesterday, we spent the whole time there, had a great view of the game from center field. Lots of great food and drink options up there. And man, it was just fun. Like, I got to see the new Jumbotron. Obviously, they got like the LED lights. And I really do think this year, and the attendance numbers bear this out. They're still, you know, they're up to 26th, I think, in attendance as last time I, I so. checked. I'm, I'm going to check that right now. But... Um, it's becoming a place to be. And obviously, the winning helps. Like, when you're winning at this level and you've got a ton of fun players. Uh, but I think that's what we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning become uh, when they started their sellout streak and. Um, really became one of the you know best franchises in the NHL is it just became like a happening place like it was like that was the hottest ticket you could get in Tampa was to go see the lightning and the Rays are becoming that no they're not going to sell out every night or you know but but the the attendance numbers are there the the fans are there and are like energized you know they're making noise there were very little Royals fans um and and I've heard when they play the Yankees less and less Yankees fans, more and more Rays fans, Mm -hmm. which I've always said would happen as the franchise gets older. Like I grew, like my dad grew up a Royals fan and then he raised me as a Rays fan and he's a Rays fan. And now I'm old enough to like go to games by myself. And so I think you're Mm going to see 
more and more of that as more kids my age that were raised raised fans. Anyways, I say all that to say it was it was a blast. The vibes are back to a hundred. Um, I, I had a ton of fun, and, and I'm hoping uh, they they continue win. I, I'm trying to figure out if I can go today or tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to, but um, I want to go back because. That was a blast, and, and Darby, I don't know uh, when's the next time you can you can get down to St. Pete, but you need to because it's a ton of fun. I know. I, I'm not sure we will be able to go this uh, this year, but uh, uh, next Friday, uh, they are coming to me yeah. uh, out in Seattle. So we'll uh, we'll see if the, the vibes can remain quite fun out here in the in the cold. Um, I, I will say this about the trop. It's definitely on TV looking so much better and so much more fun. Uh, and I think one thing that about it that's been really cool this year is a sort of, I don't know, like a test strip for like what a new trop would be. Yeah. So like if you reduce the attendance, the, the capacity, smaller, leaner, more standing room, that type of thing, uh, to like a 25k which seems to be like the the nature of a lot of these modern stadiums like wanting to go smaller but but like more open uh you have the potential of getting these we're seeing like we saw a 19,000 and a 20,000 against Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, well that was on what Tuesday and Wednesday like yeah, that Wednesday was the camp day but hey counts all the same it still counts. But if you can, you, you increase those things, you can say that like, yeah, this, the location isn't great. It, it is still, you know, a longer drive, a tougher drive. That's not going to change that. But the reality is I think a stadium can work there and we're sort of starting to see it now that there is a vibe now that there is more marketing push, there's ticket deals. There's like, I, I do think the work that Sternberg has put in and the team overall towards improving in a, a fairly dumpy stadium that was never really that well designed for baseball in the first place over the last several years has been quite good this year that the marketing that's been the the real push i don't know who's responsible for like the randy land or all these new marketing pushes but phenomenal job i mean i i've said it i think the randy land promotion is a top five in all of baseball promotion it's insanely perfect i mean like this is Rob Manfred should be getting on his knees and thanking whoever did that, because that is how you market players. That's how you market star players. And Randy is the one that sort of marketed himself by having this amazing, I mean, he's had an amazing World Series run. He's had the World Baseball Classic was a superstar making, he has an entire country that mm-hmm. that loves him. He could be the president of Mexico when he retires someday. Uh, but this guy has become such a fan favorite. He interacts with the fans that they, you know, capitalizing on that and being like, yeah, let's do a promotion that's just about him. That's saying like, let's get, you know, the luchador masks and the awesome shirts and like the drink promotion of it's a home run. And just in general, it's the perfect combination of exactly what you want to see is marketing the players in baseball, but then also the right player who embraces that. Like Randy thrives in fan interaction mm-hmm. the the man needs it and so it's the it's a perfect it's a perfect marriage so it's great uh that is just one night but like i think that energy has like really trickled around and uh yeah they've done a great job with it it's 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 a lot more it definitely i think is a is a fun atmosphere that for a while maybe 
the atmosphere wasn't the most fun. It was a better stadium than I think people gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. It, you know, anybody that ranked it below like Oakland's in terms of stadium quality, they've either never been to the Trop or never been to Oakland. Um, the atmosphere in Oakland can be awesome, but like that stadium was always like the last decade plus an absolute dump. Uh, like those fans deserve the fan energy there deserved much better than that. But the the Trop's atmosphere was always better than I think people gave it for. Now it's actually like a very fun, exciting atmosphere, and we're starting to see that. Uh, Trevor Plouffe, who's former former Ray, former mm-hmm. Twin, uh, now member of the John Boy Media uh, Group, he went down for the three game series against the uh, Twins and was mm-hmm. raving about the experience. Loved it. Um, I think I think that's the thing is get people to the Trop now, and I think they'll be like, wow, this is actually this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's. It, I think over the last six six years or so, 2017, 2018 is when we started to see noticeable improvements every year. And there's been like one or two big ones every year. So last year was the sound system. This year, um, they increased, they improved the video boards, but they've got the LED lighting. They've got the 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 colored light shows that go off the dome. Like they mm-hmm. they really make good use of the roof and everything that you can do with that um you talk about the marketing the food options are incredible now um yeah like it's it, I, and so for people that say that the raise ownership or the stew is just giving up on saint pete or giving up on the trop like that's you're obviously not going to the drop the turf like the turf used to look i was watching some of the, some old highlights it looks so bad and 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 I was embarrassed as a Rays fan watching it, and now they're replacing the turf almost yearly, um, mm-hmm. and it looks really good um, compared to to what it did. Even just like looking at it from like uh, like the, you know some highlights from the two thousand eight season or two thousand nine yeah. or two thousand ten. I was watching it on like YouTube, like a two thousand ten or eleven game, uh, like a David Price start, and I was just like, oh. It looks like carpet looks, and it's different colors. It it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like it looks like a shag carpet that has been like vacuumed right. poorly. And it's, I'm just like, it's visually, I did not, I, don't, I think when you're in it, when you're watching it every day, it's not as jarring, but like now to like watch that, like I, I tell, you know, check out some highlights from like, uh, you know, just like 10 years ago. Ugh, it's it's shocking. It's disturbing how ugly that car. And then you look to now, and it's like, wow, this is very clean. The, the other thing you, you well, before we move on to the pitching staff, um, you talk about marketing. So last night, you know, now it's every Friday home game. They wear the Devil Rays. You've got your Devil Rays sweater yeah. on. Yeah. It's like the Rays, and then the Devil Rays. That's like a brand now. Like, it's not Cena. Oh, I remember when they were the Devil Rays and they wore those ugly uniforms. Like, the Devil Rays is a brand now, and I think the Rays have leaned heavily into more of the purples and the yellows, and they're not just the, the navy blue and white team or, the you know, they wear the Columbia blue. Like, the way they've changed their, their brand strategy, I think, has, has paid off in a big way that you see people wear – those the 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 black mesh jerseys that you can buy i think mitchell and ness still make some like with the wade Boggs jersey like that's like a fashion thing now people love wearing devil damian lillard wore a devil i was about to say we had a picture of of lillard i mean one of the 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 best nba players out in portland from oakland like Mm -hmm. but it's 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 a style style fashion 
how many like a few just a few years ago it would be like unthinkable for the rays to wear anything devil rays related because it was then seen as a reminder of when the team was off the failures yeah the the abject failures and now they lean into it and they embrace it and it's i don't know it's just so much fun it's a great throwback it's a great throwback to i think some bold colors and vibrancy and you know, this 90s nostalgia is always very, very big still. Uh, but like that, I think the colorfulness of the original Devil Rays and the gradient, uh, it was a bold swing at the time. I loved it at the time. And I think I'm glad it's getting its resurgence. It, it, it deserved it deserved more. I don't think we're going to get the, the greens no. back because <laughs> I think that's just mediocre in both look and in performance um but i think the devil ray was like that fun like wow this is a crazy bold attempt mm -hmm. when baseball is pretty safe uh but you had the devil rays and you had the, had the rockies and the diamondbacks like they went for it and and the the marlins at the time like i think those were like some those those expansion teams they went for some big swings and i love to see now you you are seeing the marlins Go back to those original teals, which look the Padres are oh, back in brown just, and gold. The brown UPS and gold. colors, yeah, <laughs> uh, they're back to <laughs> repping the UPS. I, I am liking to see these teams kind of embrace not just in the City Connects mm -hmm. jerseys, but like embracing the like you can have color, you can have some vibrancy. But yeah, the Devil Ray stuff is fantastic, and I and I do I like that you mentioned that. I think it's it's a part of basically the team, but also the the components of the team. You know, Yandy's wearing a ton of pink, mm -hmm. uh, I think, because he's about to be a dad. Uh, you have the bright yellow. I think the yellow, which is a part of the official uniform, like that is an element uh, in our color swatch. But I'm loving to see like Siri and Yandy and Wander and Randy all like be rocking that yellow. Uh, we're seeing like that the, the bold accent colors, I think, really... The, the embrace of the yellow has been really nice because it really kind of is this like bold color to break out the monotony of navy blue and white, which yeah. a lot of teams, a lot of teams have navy blue or a shade of dark blue. But I think the light blue, the yellow, the I, I, I'm liking a little bit more of the fun and the Devil Ray stuff. I mean, it's, it's one of the best, I think, throwback jerseys you can get. So... The Rays have had, other than the alternates, um, pretty much the same uniforms for 15 years since they made the switch from the Devil Rays. Quick question, like two-part question. One, how far away are we from another refresh in mm. the base uniform set? And when that day comes, maybe it's not for another 10 years, I don't know, or longer, how much of those purples and greens and yellows like how much how much do the, the colors change of the team because like they've moved further like they they got rid of the road grays like they just don't mm -hmm. wear those jerseys they still wear the gray pants of course um but they only wear the the home whites the navy blues and then the columbia blues which have gotten worse i feel like but they say i that is the most I hate, I hate the Columbia blue with the starburst. It looks yeah. like a spring training jersey. Yeah. I still hate it. I think there's so much potential there, though. I I, I don't want to get rid of necessarily the Columbia blue, 
I just think we got to, we got to take some, take some swings at that, but yes, continue. So just basically what, like, do you, do you think we could see in the next 10, 15 years, uh, a little bit of a rebrand where you start to bring back more of those devil rays colors into your main colors? So if they, the, the Trop lease is still 2027, they'll probably have some deciding stuff this year about whether the deal is going to happen in St. Pete. If then, you know, grounds striking happens, you're probably looking at like two, three years. So I could see a rebrand for the new stadium in about four years yeah yeah and, and it doesn't have to I be could, crazy i could see it i i could see i think the idea would then be you potentially have similar looks but with maybe like the blue light blue gradient so instead yeah. of a purple to green gradient it's maybe like a like a blue shade gradient yeah. i i think the I, the next thing and i and i've actually thought about this quite a bit because i do love design and i think it's a i think it's an important element right if you get if you get your Odell Beckham Juniors wearing your jersey, like mm -hmm. he did, uh, who I mean, he's, I think he's friends with Blake Snell, so that was more a bit of that. But like, if you get Odell Beckham Junior. and you, uh, you know, in football, and you have Damian Lillard, and you have athletes rocking your stuff, or celebrities rocking your stuff, that helps for your brand. I, I think that is important, and I think with the way the Rays have kind of now embraced the Devil Rays, and I think the way larger fandom has embraced the devil race like very consistently everybody around the league like fans that are not a fans of the rays are like those are really good looking yeah like those are those should be their main jerseys we hear that a lot right those the devil race should be their main jerseys i don't think they're going to do that but i think there is a great opportunity to have like a very modest refresh where they basically take the old but like make it into the new so you have a devil race style like i think gradients neat i think you could do some of that colors but just with the rays and with the tampa bay um but i think at the very least with the new with i think they're gonna keep the there's now rules with the the, the jerseys and stuff where you have a limit and a cap which is kind of yeah. frustrating but i think the the navy works so well i think the home whites are clean i think the big key there is that like columbia blue there's like there's room there to to make a little bit of a of a of a tweak mm -hmm. and Definitely. i and i would like to i would hope that next year i mean so i think a big refresh probably not until there's the the stadium but a, a small and they've tweak, got to launch city connect still that's and that's probably next year, I think. Yeah. They're slated for next year. Yeah, yeah. So, so that'll be nice. That'll be another another series. So we'll have City Connects on one weekend day at, at home. We'll have the Devil Rays on one. And then yeah. So, but I think the Columbia Blues, I think that's that's an area that there can be a small tweak that I hope they do next year, um, for the next couple, because I maybe even just adding Tampa Bay across it rather than just the starburst i think would be good they don't have that they don't have a tampa bay on their road jerseys which uh which is you know has always been the contentious thing right because it's always been maybe like the one foot out the door type of thing i think if the stadium you know if the if the if ground starts getting broken i think that's a great opportunity to say like we are tampa hey bay. here's new jersey 
here's the new jersey that we have tampa bay and then you get it i think an excitement i think i think you want basically if i am putting my marketing hat on i think you want a brand new jersey for when you have an announcement of a new stadium so that people can go i'm gonna buy this jersey well i and wonder if wonder the Rays, randy i wonder if the rays asked nike and major league baseball if they could wait to do their city connects until they had a deal that, in place that could be that could <laughs> Cause, be because could you imagine if like they unveiled their city connect and it's all about st pete and tampa and florida and then the next day it's like he's selling the team and they're going to nashville (laughs) Stu would maybe do that in the same press conference possibly (laughs) that would that would be a a... (laughs) and then just a a shrug in a a 3x uh (laughs) shirt (laughs) yeah here's a city connects and you know we can throw some nashville stuff in there too probably all right, let's finish this episode with some discussion of the pitching staff. So we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. Shane McClanahan exited his last start early uh, earlier this week. Um, and Noticeable dip in Velo. That was the big yeah. thing. And like online, you can see, I mean, that's the thing is now every day, every game, we can all just be like tracking Velo. So it's like, well, that's a little shaky. We can like see the, the pitch FX data and it's like, oh, Oh, it's going down and yeah, yeah, very scary. But fastball coming at like 93, which is like he sits like 97, 98. And so yeah, immediately Kevin Kelly starts getting warmed up like very quickly. And then three pitches later, he was being pulled. Um, and in the dugout, those pitch effects we talk about, we are seeing it. They they have that. And they so probably they have, have some the, data that we don't have access to. Jer- Jeremy Ehrlichman, who's the the kind of the data guy in the um, in the in the dugout, he's he is getting that stuff real time. And so, yeah, he's like. Because you have a uh, Hawkeye as well, so you have mm-hmm. basically like literally, if your mechanics start to like fall apart, you can see that. And and when that happens with something with pitching, if you start to be like, oh, I'm using more shoulder, that's like you can blow out a rotator cuff. You can like that's right. Things can happen very quickly, and you want to be very precautious about it. Precautious about it. Precautionary about it. Especially with your ace pitcher who yeah. um, is again probably leading Cy Young contender. Yeah. Um, and you've already, you know, gone down Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs, and you're just bringing Tyler Glass now back. And even he was dealing with some cramps and worried about mm-hmm. him. And the pessimist in me looks at the, the injuries that the Rays have dealt with and the injuries that they will deal with. And that's every team. Pitchers are going to get hurt. Like, there's no avoiding that. But looking at Tyler Glass and Shane McClanahan, who I think we probably feel the Rays need both of them in October. To have a shot uh, at going deep into the postseason, but what are the odds that they're both healthy? Now, I, I'm you know I don't, I don't know, right? Like Shane McClanahan with back tightness, you know, Glass now is probably still dealing with a lot of mechanical things, is what the team and, and some of his struggles that he's had. And, he's and that's like, what he was saying. Really good. Yeah. Um, it's not a issue of health; just trying to get back into the swing of things. We've talked for the last month or so that the biggest need is bullpen help. Um, And while you you can never have enough pitching, no matter whether it's bullpen or starters, if we're going to move higher-end prospects over the next month to get pitching, I think I'd rather see one more starter added to this mix or one more guy that you know you can get five or six innings out of per start. And to do that, you're going to save your bullpen to where if Glass now needs a four, you know, a four inning start, we can eat up an extra bullpen inning with guys mm-hmm. that got the day off yesterday. 
Like, I just think one more. One, because you look at the back end of the rotation and Bradley is still looks very good, but still very young. He's not going to be at that consistent level that a McClanahan or a Glass now expects to be at. Um, but then you've got Yanni Chirinos, who has done performed very valiantly. Soft. Very good, yeah. But I'd love to see that get improved, if possible. And maybe sure. Rasmussen comes back late in the regular season. But there's still a lot of innings to eat up. There's still a lot of innings left in this innings, uh, the jigsaw puzzle, as Kyle Snyder likes to mention. And I'd rather see the Rays, if you're going to trade, um, I'm not talking necessarily like Curtis Mead, Kyle Manzardo level prospects, uh, but any of those other prospects that you do think have a path to the big leagues, I would much rather see the Rays use that. It doesn't have to be an elite starter, um, but just someone that you can co- come in. It doesn't even have to be someone you expect to pitch or to start in the postseason, right? Like similar to a, like a Michael Walker, I think. Like I just want mm-hmm. someone that can come in and we've got the best record in baseball. Like I'm not looking for someone to come here and dominate. We don't need that type of help. Just to lighten the load for everyone else on this pitching staff. For me right now, if I'm Eric Neander and Pete Bendix, that's my my number one target to figure out the rotation and how we're going to manage these innings for the rest of the regular season. I think there's there's two avenues that you look at with this or, or two two lanes. Uh, I agree. I don't I still I I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just don't see the Rays going and trading for relief pitching. That never did. And now I think the Rays bullpen. Like, you know, next week we can maybe do a little check-in, but I think at the end of June, but I, June has been a much, much better month. Jake Diekman like has that. been a huge pickup. Diekman's been incredible. I've Y'all laughed. I've been <laughs> wanting Jake Diekman for like six years, and y'all were like, he's trash. Like, he can't even pitch for the White Sox. And I'm like, doesn't matter. Bring in Diekman. Let's get him into the lab. Cade the side yesterday. He's incredible, and he's been great command. Uh, Robert Stevenson looks like a, a legit back end of the rotation guy. Fair, Fairbanks is back. Hoshe has an extra mile per hour. So I, I think bullpen wise, again, there's always going to be some extra bullpen pieces around. So maybe a small trade to kind of, in, you know, enhance a little bit. But I I never liked the idea of like Alexis Diaz or Aldis Chapman, any of these like big name guys. Yeah. I still don't, and I think the bullpen has proven that the floor has been raised enough that it's not a huge, huge weakness anymore. So I agree. Uh, starting pitching, you you need innings. But I think the two-lane uh, thing here is, do you go after a guy that's slotting into your back end, or do you go after, we, we've talked about this, like the Rasmussen line. Mm-hmm. Somebody that is as good or better than Drew Rasmussen if you're trading for a starting pitcher. I think if you are making a trade for a starting pitcher, I would rather go with that. So a little more more expensive, but I want somebody that can be a Drew Rasmussen replacement. And if he's back, then that's great. That just means that just raises the floor rather than maybe like a Yanni Chirinos replacement. Fair. Because I think especially in, if it's a rental, because then you're you're just letting him go at the end of the year and he's not exactly the season. So I think that I think when you look at that, I think you look at like, okay, who's our Yanni Trinos replacement? And it's like, well, I don't know if when Elvin Rodriguez comes back, we can like throw him out there or right. or uh, uh, Jacob Lopez or something like, you know, I, I think that's fine. I think that's totally fine. Um, so Rasmussen, that's that's the level uh, tricky. But I do think if I'm going to spend prospect capital, I agree with you. I'd much rather spend it on a pitcher than or a starting pitcher or a guy that can eat 
you know, four or five innings rather than a reliever, uh, rather than a one or two inning guy. And so the question there though becomes, who are you looking for? Yeah. Because it, it it's tricky. Uh, I was looking at the standings and it is wild how close so many of these you know, things are, you have like the NL West who's in, in fourth place in the NL West. Oh, it's the Padres. Who's in <laughs> third, the Dodgers. So like, they're not selling that the Padres are all in. They're not selling Dodgers are going to be competing for the division. The giants who have a bunch of like fun pitchers, like Alex Cobb, they've just been on a huge winning streak. So they're not selling. Uh, and the diamondbacks are, are young and great. Uh, you go to the central, literally everybody has a chance. The Cardinals are the worst, but are the Cardinals picking up the Rays phone anymore? <laughs> They're like, sorry, I can't hear you over our Randy land promotion, <laughs> but uh, any, any, uh, any uh, cool pictures you want to trade for us? No. Oh, you hung up. Okay, cool. Anyway, here's a free ticket to Randy land to come enjoy. We're playing the Texas Rangers. So you can see her all this chat or uh, uh, Adolis Garcia too. Um, but you have the Reds who are on a 11 game winning streak right now. Brewers are in there. Cubs, Pirates, like the Cubs have some great guys, but like it, I, I think the thing is, if you're looking down the list everywhere around baseball, who is selling what the Rays would be looking for in terms of pitching? Mm -hmm. So a couple of names that have come up that, that, that might be sold Lucas Giolito of yep. the, the Chicago White Sox, who's on the last year of his deal. So he is a free agent. He would be a rental. Uh, and then Shane Bieber from Cleveland, because that's sort of the Cleveland style. They're competing, but they do tend to cycle uh, with their, their pitchers. Do either of those guys interest you? Yeah. No, I, I think I'd prefer Bieber. I think you know what you're getting more out of a Shane Bieber, but I'd love to see what you know the Rays are able to do with, with Giolito, because... I think the stuff is still there. Like there is mm -hmm. still, he still has the potential to be a, you know, a, a, an all-star caliber starter, I think. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, it, but I guess that would be the level, but you're going to pay a premium at the deadline. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, if, if you show your hand and you, you know, you say we need pitching and you don't know how many other suitors are going to be out there. Who doesn't want pitching though? Right. Exactly. That's and especially so with, you know, some of these teams that are, are, are right in the mix with a wild card. Um, the only other position, and we can wrap on this, that I think I would want the Rays to look at after starting pitching would be like a veteran infielder that if you suffer an injury to, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Lau, if he's not healthy or he's not very good, uh, or Wander Franco or, uh, uh, um, or uh, Isak Paredes, a guy that can come in and, raise the floor from Vidal Brujan being the next mm. man up because the Rays don't seem to believe in Jonathan Aranda at the big league level or just not right now with what the team needs. Um, but it's clear that Brujan is the worst player on the roster and not by a little bit. Um, who was the guy that he wore glasses that he traded for in 2019? Eric Sogard? Eric Sogard, yeah. Maybe someone like the Eric So I don't, that, that, that didn't work out like super well. He didn't play that much. No, but maybe, it was, it was like, but it was that it was played similar to Bruhan, where it's just like, I don't know if we need you, but we don't need you. Maybe like a Jace Peterson for Oakland mm -hmm. plays, you know, can play second or third. Um, 
you know, gets on base, got a 314 OBP, plays some pretty good defense. Like, I'm not looking for someone to come in, but someone just an older player that you could add to a contender and he could pr- provide more than what Bruhan does. Um, that's not a knock on Bruhan. I mean, it is a knock on him, but it's nothing personal. Um, but just he, he, it's it's not working out. And I, and I hope it works out somewhere else for him, but. I think that's the that is the interesting element. And I do think this is where the Rays are. I don't see them going after, even though they are like, you know, the best team, right? Like they I don't see them going after any big trades. Yeah. The the uh the the trade market will be saturated, but also because of the extra wild cards, uh, I think everybody's gonna be very equal in terms of like we can maybe go, we can we can do this. Like the pirates and the the reds. Probably aren't going to be selling. Mm-hmm. They might do a little buying. They might do a little selling. But like, I think a lot of teams are going to be in a similar similar role. So, I think the Rays are in a good spot to not necessarily go out and trade like something big and get into like a big bidding war. And I don't think they need to. But I, I like the idea of maybe adding a, another utility guy who is you know fairly cheap that you can you can add in, um, possibly another starter. Um, I think what's so tough is I I don't think we'll know who is fully really available or who you're going to be competing against until like a full month from now. Yeah. Like, like, like it is still right now. Like, I don't know who you can go out and get. That's not just like kind of very fringy. Like Eduardo Escobar got traded to the angels Mm-hmm. Like that's a type of trade you can do right now if the Rays wanted to, but like, I don't think they, you know, with, with Lau improving and Wander, you know, coming back over the weekend, like you don't need to necessarily replace Bruhan, but you, like there are those type of guys like Eduardo Escobar's are available. I just don't want to go into easily. a postseason series with Bruhan, the last guy on the bench. Like he hasn't really shown a lot on the bases. He's not hitting. He's a fine defender, but like, I would rather use that spot. It doesn't have, I, I threw out Jace Peterson, but it maybe it is someone that's a base running specialist, right? Like, like the way they use Brett Phillips spot on the roster in the postseason when right. he was picked. Like I would rather that be a pinpointed, like that last spot where either going to use him as a defensive replacement, a pinch hitter off the bench or a pinch runner. Like we know what his role is going in. And Bruhan. Jordan I mean, Luplo type. If he yeah. made a postseason roster, he's not going to get in. Like unless. Like, no. Like Yanni Diaz is the tying run, and you need to pinch run for someone. Like that's he's just not his running good. has also been not good. Right, he's he's he he's not stealing bases. You're not pinch he running had like... for Brandon Lau, uh, obviously not for Wander Franco. You're not pinch running for Taylor Walls. Like just the role would be so small that if yeah. he is on that roster, and like we've been really blessed with position player injuries. Like Jose Siri went down. Brandon Lau is on his second IL stint, I think, of the year, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, no, Knock I mean, on wood, it's, it's but... been, yeah, you keep that, you keep that up and you're doing well. Uh, yeah, it's tricky. It's, it's really, really tricky in that regard because I don't think he is uh, on the roster in the postseason, And right now he's barely on the roster. I you, see you it can also a... see if you needed someone and we'd say we don't make a trade. Maybe they do go with an Aranda for a postseason. Maybe they even mm-hmm. go with a Kyle Manzardo, right? Where you're like, we just yeah. know he can hit. Let's bring him up and see what happens. Yeah, if it's a heavy righty pitching staff or something, or heavy lefty, and maybe you bring up Mead at that point. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I think right now, Aranda's role is 
if Harold Ramirez or Luke Rayleigh more specifically get injured. Yeah. Like if they go on the IL, then Aranda comes up because they're the, you don't care about their defense first base DH mm-hmm. type of role. Um, I still think Aranda is a decent trade chip. Uh, like I, I look at like the Seattle Mariners, for instance, who have their biggest issue is they have no offense whatsoever. Colton Wong has been a disaster for mm-hmm. them. He has not hit his defense has been not that great. And so they've been using Jose Caballero, who's like a rookie. Uh, maybe they're interested in that, but like, I don't think the pitching wise, like they have like, you know, Chris Flexen, maybe Marco Gonzalez, like neither of those guys is those are, those are Yanni Chirinos again, but maybe a little worse. So Arand is in this tough spot where I don't know how much he, his value is as a trade chip. And he's probably too valuable to just like not use at some point because he's hitting like 500. <laughs> he's he's like a, a, a tiny uh, uh, Luisa Rise down there in, in Durham. But like the defense is still a struggle. So if he could defend, uh, he'd be up here over Bruhan. But I think right now you kind of use that. So I'm I'm excited that I think the Rays with the bullpen kind of sorting itself out and hopefully with Shane McClanahan not even missing a start with this back thing mm-hmm. are in a spot where they don't need to make any trades, which is the exactly where you want to be going to the deadline. But I do think there are, there's always room to make tweaks around the edges. And I think that's what we should think about is not so much like adding a Chris Bryant or a Nelson Cruz, but a small piece, a yeah. Jordan Luplo, uh, you know, a, a, a tiny, like, oh, let's bring in this, this reliever here, like Sergio Romo. Like, let's, let's do one of those tiny, smaller moves around the edges that can, like, lift the floor in maybe some areas. And, and those margins, that's, that's, that's where they, that's why they pay Pete Bendix and Eric Neander the big bucks. Find those guys. We'll see as we get closer to the trade deadline, but Again, the vibes were down on Thursday, a lot better on Friday. Let's see how they get through this weekend. We will hopefully have more regularly scheduled Raise Your Voice episodes uh, throughout the rest of the summer and into the fall. Um, But yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. If you like what we do and you want to catch every episode of Raise Your Voice, make sure to follow or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform as always make sure to keep up with all the great race coverage on dracebay.com once again thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week